So we're in a series that we've titled Momentum, and the three words that God gave me that I really felt uh, impressed by the Lord to lead us in for this next year is family momentum, leadership momentum, and kingdom momentum. And so we're taking this series to just walk through each one of those words, almost like a trailer, um, a sneak peek into the, the energy and the place that we're going for this year. We talked about family momentum last week and how the Lord is interested in not just building an event, but the Lord is interested in building a family. Um, the word momentum, by definition, is uh, the quantity of motion of a moving body. It's, it's strength or force gained by motion. It's, it's forward motion. And I believe the Lord wants to mobilize his family, the church, in a forward motion way. Let me tell you my dream. My dream is that the church, the local church, Jesus' bride, Jesus' body would be known in the top five things that have momentum. We'll put them up here on the screen. It would, be, it would be the train that's moving at 120. It would be the baseball that's flying through the air. It'd be the heavy truck moving. It'd be the bullet fired from a gun. And then somehow making the list comes the, the church. The church is moving fast and forward. The church is not on the decline. The church is not moving backwards. The church um, has forward motion and momentum. It looks like this light here got, got the momentum, and so maybe we can turn that light off real quick. Um, it got, it got, even the lights are ready to worship here today. Come on. I love that. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Wilson, and our, our media team for um, helping us really lock in and um, have, a, have a life-giving atmosphere that we can experience worship and this time in the word here together. Last week, I gave us a reality statement. I want to put it up on the screen. I'm going to tuck, take us where we went so we can know where we're going. The reality statement was this. Before joining a church family, uh, you first must join God's family. Um, before we talk about family momentum in the context of local church, I wanted us to, to get a high view of God's family in the universal church. Um, God desires for sons and daughters. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about how before the foundations of the world, God had you on his heart, that he wanted to adopt sons and daughters into his family, and he would even do so by shedding his blood, by sending his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, lived the sinless life, died the sinner's death, rose from the grave. Let that message just consume you. Jesus Christ is the sacrificial savior who, who creates the bridge in order for us to have a right relationship with God as Father. Not God as judge, amen, but that we could be adopted into his family. God is interested in a family. The church is not an event you go to. You don't go to church. The church is a family you belong to. And so that, that's where we were last week. Now I want to take us deeper into this week. And I'm just going to say, if you're a first-time guest here at Walk Church, or maybe you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're seeking and exploring Christianity, the message I'm preaching today is a, is a little bit on the deeper side of some of the practical steps in the Christian life. And I do really believe you can get a lot out of it today. So somebody say, lock in. Lock in. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Well, Father, as we get ready to eat from your word for today's message, oh, Lord, we ask you right now, to, to still our minds, calm our spirits. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, God with us, 
Speak to us now. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart posture that's open to your word being preached today. Holy Spirit, we are desperate for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this was the reality statement last week. Before joining a church family, you first must join God's family. Let me give you the reality statement this week. Upon joining God's family, it's essential to join a church family. So we want to get the ordering right. right don't, don't, don't just jump into a, a church family. It may not make sense if you're not first part of God's family. Be, be regenerated into a new relationship, a new life, heart, mind, spirit. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The old has gone. The new has come. And now you're placed into a body where you can be amongst other family members. Upon joining God's family, here's what it, it, it's essential. The word essential by definition means very important. I want to tell you that it's increasingly important to join a church family. Not necessarily to be saved. Joining God's family happens between you and Jesus, faith in Christ. That is upward, but now here we are on the earth. Practically, how do we live out our Christianity? It's essential you do that in the context of a church family. There are over 50 statements in the New Testament alone that have these two words, one another. How do you live out the one another's if you never see one another? And let me ask you this, who is the one another? It's essential to join a church family to be able to practice what you believe. To be able to live out the faith that we embodied when we became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about here today. And I want to preach on a subject that's not a popular subject. Um, in fact, for several years, the subject that I'm preaching on today, I'm not quite going to say I was against it, but I didn't quite understand it. And today, I'm not just preaching to our Walk Church family, and to those who are joining us online, and to those who may be watching this in a future date, but I'm preaching to a 20-year-old Hayden. Can I do that? I'm preaching to my younger self, who didn't understand this concept too clearly. In fact, recently, in the past couple of years, I just began to do a deep dive study on this topic in the Bible, and this is a legendary Sunday to come to church, because I'm going to unfold for you my discoveries. (laughs) What I've found... uh, to be true when it comes to this phrase, a church membership, all right? I want to talk to you today about church membership, and here's why uh, church membership matters and why it's important and why I want us to um, uncover it here today. Church membership is uh, not necessarily something that the Bible commands explicitly, but it is something that the Bible implies explicitly. Um, for, for several years, I, did, I wanted to stay away from this concept that the church was like a country club. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I just be transparent? I didn't want the church to have this feeling like, oh man, there's, th- this is like the, 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 the country club that you join and are a part of and you get a bunch of benefits and you take a bunch of stuff from it and it's like you got to be a part of the church membership. I wanted to stay away from that, so I, I avoided the, the conversation about church membership. Plus, 
the phrase church membership doesn't exist in the Bible. But I realized the more I studied the New Testament that though the phrase isn't there, the concept is. And just because a phrase is in the Bible doesn't mean that it's not actually biblical. Did you know that? Like, for example, the phrase church planting is not in the Bible, but yet we believe in church planting. Amen? Um, the, the phrase the Trinity is not in the Bible, but come on, somebody, we believe in the triune God. Amen? In fact, I would even submit to you today, there's not an explicit place where Jesus says that he is God. Yet, that does not mean that he is not 100% God. He is in every way God, yet it doesn't necessarily have a moment. So just because an explicit language isn't there, it doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't imply that, signify that, is not clear on that in its own way. The Bible is clear that Jesus is God, he is the Lord, he's the Son of God, that there is three triune members of the Godhead, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father, all three, God in one, and uh, it's a deep theological topic. Um, The word Trinity may not be in there, similar to the word membership may not be in there, yet the concept is still biblically accurate, and I want to take you on a journey as to why I believe that um, to be true. I love this phrase in Ephesians chapter Uh, 2 in verse 19 where the apostle Paul writes to a local church in the city of Ephesus and he and he takes them into this idea of a new membership a new family he says you are no longer strangers and aliens can I get amen Amen. (laughs) but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built On the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Amen? New citizenship, new household, new family, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also being built, say that T word with me, together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is interested in in a family, in a temple, in a body. Now, when we see different readings and texts about church, I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject, and then I got some points for us to write down. Um, The word church, it's the Greek word ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. Ecclesia. The definition for ecclesia is a called-out group of individuals who have collectively gathered together in a local body for the purpose of a mission. The word church is is originally a military term of people who were drafted, people who were called out and placed on mission by their commander to accomplish a specific goal. So when I say church is not an event you go to, church is a family, maybe an army, that you belong to, of brothers and sisters with a like-minded goal. Now, when I speak of church and when the Bible speaks of church, there's two different views and forms of church. I'll put them up here on the screen. One is called the universal church. The other is called the local church. The thing that's interesting, if you study the, 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 the times the word church is used, you'll find that the word church in the context of universal is used minimally. 
There's actually only a handful of times, there's about 90 plus times, depending on the translation you read, where you'll find the word church. There's only a handful of times where you'll find the universal church talked about. There are a plethora, a majority of times where the local church is talked about. And it's important that you know that. The universal church is a big deal. It, the, the bride of Christ is beautiful, amen? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. How about our mission team that is in so George, South Africa right now is connecting with other brothers and sisters in the universal church? Like they showed up in Africa and they met brothers and sisters. Whoa, the universal church is big and one day we'll be able to experience that type of fellowship in real time in the heavens. But until then, God gives us a picture of the universal church in the context of where we live. The local church is the majority of references. That's why the apostle Paul writes in his letters to the church in Galatia. He doesn't say to the universal church. He says to the church in a local city. And then if you really read Paul's letters, he starts shouting people out. Like, hey, shout out to Sylvanus. And hey, shout out to Timothy. And shout out to his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. And he starts talking about people like he knows them in the context. And even one point, Paul says, and maybe bring me that coat. I really like that coat. And it's cold in this prison cell. Give me a blanket. <laughs> and make sure you tell Epaphroditus, what up? He got sick last time. Paul is writing to local churches. Now, we're reading these letters as they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And friend, we can learn from the churches back then. Uh, Paul is writing to local churches. So this is the universal church and the local church. If you got all that, uh, say, I got it. I love how David Platt speaks to this topic in his commentary on membership. He says, uh, membership is not biblically commanded, but it is biblically implied. I want to talk to you about that idea here today. Um, we should emphasize and operate and go about church membership because it's biblically implied. But I also want to encourage you with this thought. We should go about church membership and embrace church membership because it moves us forward. I want to talk to you about that here today. We'll put it up here on the screen as far as another question I want to ask. Why church membership? Well, because church membership moves us. Remember our word this season, right? It's momentum. Momentum defined is forward motion. And I've found... As I've studied the New Testament specifically, which it gives us the instruction on the local church and how we should live as Christians, that, that church membership is actually a biblically implied concept that moves the church forward. And I, 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 I wanted to stray away from that for several years. In fact, when I talk about 20-year-old Hayden, can I just tell you, I had a church membership in church hopping. I would go to this one church because I really love the worship. And then I would leave, and then I'd go to this church because I really love the preaching. And then I would leave and go to this church because I really love the food. <laughs> and then I would say, you know what, I, tonight I'll be back to go to this church because they got a Sunday night service. And I was on fire for the Lord. I really was passionate about Jesus. I was hungry for God. I was running fast after the Lord. And I remember a leader in my life named Joe uh, pulled me aside one day, and he goes, yeah, but what church is your family? Or do you got like a whole bunch of families? I, said, I never really thought about it like that. I'm part of the universal church. He goes, I know you're part of the universal church, but are you part of a local church? 
what's your church family? And I realized, you know what? I don't have a family. I'm a Christian orphan. I'm hopping around trying to find my fit. Or maybe I'm just hopping around just trying to take, 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 take. And I should be walking around trying to give, give, give. And I had to humble myself and ask the question, am I part of a church family? And how do I become a part of a church family? And what's the steps to do that? And it was then that I began to understand the concept of growing up in my faith and landing in a home which propelled me forward uh, with motion. I believe church membership moves us with momentum. All right? If you got all that, say, I got it. All right, I want to give you four different points on how this is true. I want to look to the Bible. I want to give you some thought on how church membership moves us. And, and I've been on a seven-year journey deciding whether or not to preach this sermon, all right? Um, I've, I've wrestled back and forth because I didn't want us to have the, the membership club feel. But then I realized that we're not standing up for a club. We're signing up for a family. Amen. There's a difference. That we're not saying, oh, yeah, we're part of the Walk Church clicky club. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> Check that out the door. We're talking about family. We're talking about life on life. We are adopted sinful beings that have been given a new citizenship, a new heart, a new mind, new spirit, adopted into a new group of family members. And, oh, friend, I want to talk to you about being a part of, a member of that family. Point number one. Here we go. Point number one. Uh, The reason how membership moves us. Membership moves us from consumer to contributor. Somebody gave me a come on for that. I feel you. Membership moves the body, moves the individual, moves the person sitting in this room. You move categorically from I'm a consumer to a contributor. I just shared about the younger Haydn. You know what? I was a great consumer. I was consume, consume, consume. And maybe that's where you're at here today. And I don't want to shade you, but I might lovingly step on your toes just a little something, something. In, in the grace of Jesus, my, my sister Vanessa was here earlier, and she said, Pastor Hyden, you stepped all over my shoe today, and I'm so glad you did because I needed it. And I want to encourage you today to just be open to this idea. Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Because family contributes. Let me give you the definition of a consumer. Here we go. We'll put it up on the screen. A consumer is a person who purchases goods and services for personal use. Anybody see where I'm going right now? Maybe you love to come to walk church and you love to consume the high fives and hellos as you walk in. Yeah, I know. I'm great. I know. I love that sign that says you look awesome today. I know I do look awesome today. I consume all that. And then I walk in and I consume some sweet creations. And then I love when the worship team plays my song because I consume, and they better play my song, and the lyrics better be clicked on time because I'm consuming right now, and I need to know because this thing is all about me, and then, man, Pastor Hyden better be there because I'm there, and I need to consume the message that he preached. If somebody else preaches, considering turning around. These are things that I've heard, all right? Just keeping it 100. Are you here for the word or are you here for the person? Come on. For the person of Christ. Through his word, I consume the preaching, and then, oh, I love to consume the free child care for about an hour and 15, you know, and they teach my kids about Jesus, consume all of that up, just consume it all, just consume it all, and I don't have to contribute a thing. That is not the family that we are developing. What family does, it, it, 
When you join a church family, now maybe that's guest mentality. Because you're our guest of honor, we want you to consume everything. We want you to enjoy it. But don't stay a guest. Become a friend. And then even say, you know what? I'm going to just move from friend to family. I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to be a contributor. Let me give you the definition for contributor. I Googled contribute, and then this was the definition I found. Macmillan Dictionary popped right up. To give money, goods, or your time and effort in order to achieve something, especially when other people are also helping. That's the church. People that say, I'm going to give my money, my goods, and my time to achieve something. What are we achieving? We're achieving the mission that Jesus left us with when he said, now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you, and behold, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm grateful that Jesus is with his church on mission together in order to achieve something. We're not just consuming here. We're not just sitting in the lazy river getting fat, going around in circles, high-fiving each other. We're on mission. We're family. We're getting better together. So think about that. Church, church membership helps you identify, am I a consumer? Am I a contributor? Never really thought about that, but maybe this is a great opportunity for you to say, you know what? I'm going to get in the game. And I love that language because I'm an athlete. Playing basketball all my life, you know what I hated? Sitting on the bench. Come on, right? I was that cat like on the bench like, <laughs> coach, I'm trying to make eye contact with coach. Put me in the game. Somebody moves, I'm like, I'm right here, I'm ready. Come on. I don't want to sit on the bench. I don't want to consume the nice, comfortable bench. I want to contribute. I want to make a play. God, use me. Do, get, put something in my hand to use. I'm grateful for my sister Rose. Where's Rose at? Rose, Rose, right here on the front. Shout out to my sister Rose. I, uh, several years ago, when I got that convicting word from my friend Joe, and I said, all right, I got to pick a church, and I got to start using my gifts. I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to be a contributor. And the Lord led me to an awesome church here in Las Vegas called Hope Church. I developed a friendship and a discipleship relationship with Pastor Vance, and he said the first step would be to be a part of this church family and to put your yes on the, the table. So I did that. I, I, I became a member there at Hope Church, and I said, okay, where do I start? And you know what? I looked over, and I saw this lady named Rose, and she was looking at me, and she had a basket in her hand, and she said, you down to be an usher? And I said, put me in the game, coach. Give me that basket. And we, where's my guy? Oh, I saw Smitty. Smitty was on our usher team. He's part of our church family now. Um, he's, he's doing our membership part. Yeah, tell him to take that Bronco shirt off. All right, here we go. My bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No diss, no shade. It's okay. All right, are we back? Are we back? All right. But I realized, you know, just becoming a contributor helped me grow. I went from ushering up. And I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit was testing me. If you can't be an usher, you can't be a fill-in-the-blank. Why don't you just start? You don't got to be great to start. You just got to start to be great. That's a quote from Zig Ziglar, a leadership guy. I want to encourage you to just say, you know what, Lord? I'm a part of this church family. I believe what they believe. I believe that I'm not just supposed to be a hopper, a consumer. I'm supposed to be a contributor in the context of family. I'm teaching my little boys this. Come on, my, my seven-year-old, hey, you put your own shoes on. Come on, contribute. You take the trash out, right? You make your bed. Come on, you got to contribute to this house, right? 
I'm going to take care of you. I got you. But I want you to learn how to be a part of family. We don't just consume. We contribute. Church membership helps you do that. If you're not a part of the church family, you might just drift in, drift out, and never have to do a thing. And then blame the church because they don't know you. It's your, it's your responsibility to get to contribute. Let me move into the second thing. Membership moves you from independent to collective. It, it removes you from it's all about me. The, the word independent by definition means I don't need nobody's help. I'm independent. I'm strong. I'm wise. I'm, um, I'm important. I'm, I'm big. I'm good. I don't need your help. And what church membership does, it forces you from being the center of attention, and it moves you into, I'm a welcomed addition, and I'm part of a collective family who's on mission together. I'm a part of a body. Now, this is biblical language, right? Look at the text in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, come on, Walk Church, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I mean, how weird would it be if you just walked past a random ear on the ground? Just a random ear. It's like, yo, ear, you need to be attached to a head. And this random ear just, just goes all around to all the types of different churches. Like, oh, I'm an ear here, I'm an ear there, I'm an ear there, I'm an ear. No, no, get a part of your body because your body needs an ear. And maybe you're an arm or maybe you're a leg, maybe you're a foot, maybe you're a thumb, maybe you're an eye. I don't know what member you are, but joining the family moves you from just being a random straying body part in a attaches you to a family where you can actually use your gift. You can actually do the thing that you were created to do. God wants to take people who are independent and individually created with gifts, and he wants to plug them into his body to strengthen the body, not just universally, but locally. The church that you're a part of God puts you into the game to make a difference locally. This is the body member language. This is also on display in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The word member is found there in the word membership. We are many members that make up the body of Christ. So here's what church membership does. It moves you from just being an independent, strong you, and it places you into the context where you can do it together. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's how the body grows strong. I want to encourage you with this thought today. I need you. You need me. The person to the left of you, you need. The person to the right of you, you need. We need each other, amen? Yeah, yeah. What, what, I, what, I don't, 
find to be joyful is this idea of a church that's filled with consumers that are all individualistic, that don't have a clue or a care about their family. That is oftentimes what the American church is thought about, and that shouldn't be the case. I would say as the church gets bigger, which, let me tell you, churches should get bigger. Why? Because our city's getting bigger. By 2025, demographers believe that Las Vegas will consist of 3 million people and an NBA team in Jesus' name. Come on. <laughs> Woo! Lord, I want to be in, I want to I help. I want to contribute. Right? I want to contribute. I want to be a chaplain. Come on. Look, listen to me. As the city grows, the churches should grow. We should grow in width. We should plant more churches, and churches should grow in size. Come on. We don't have the luxury of staying a little small group. we gotta, we got to invite more people into the family. Jesus died for this purpose. So the church has to grow bigger, but while the church grows bigger, it should also grow deeper. So even though the church grows bigger, it should grow smaller in feel because you should get a part of a group. And more groups should take place. And now you're in the context of family within family. And this is how the church grows. Let me give you the third way that the church membership moves you. Family membership moves you from nomad to accountable. Amen. Somebody dropped an amen on that. Thank you for that. I ain't hear nothing from this side, so I'm going to hang out over here. I'm going to hang out over here for a second. Stay with me, camera. Um, you know, I, I recently was introduced to this term nomad, and the, the word nomad, a synonym for nomad is a wanderer, somebody who wanders around. You can't pin them down. They purposely don't have a residence because they just don't want to have accountability. They don't want to have responsibility. They just want to travel through life, moving whenever they want to go. They can pick up and go whenever they want to stay. They can stay. That's the nomadic lifestyle. It's become a popular trend within our culture. Listen, the nomadic lifestyle, even if that's something that you're interested in, it does not work well within the context of a family membership process. Because church family forces you in the most gracious way to be accountable. So you can't just pick up and go. You can't just wander around and I hope nobody says anything to me. When you're part of a church family, you're family. I've never met anybody who goes, hey, how many kids you have? Ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I got about four or five. I don't know. People know. People know where their, their family members are. How many brothers you got? Ah, uh, I don't know. Really? You should probably find out. How many people are in your family? Kind of reminds me of that scene on Home Alone. I'm getting into Christmas vibes. Amen, anybody? Right? But there's that, mo that moment in the movie Home Alone where, like, the, the robber cop guy is there at the front, and he's like, hey, do you live here? And they're like, no. He's like, do you live here? No. Do you live here? No. He's like, does anybody live at this house? Right? And, and, and we don't want the church to be like that. Do you go here? Are you family here? No. I just, I'm consuming. Just here. I'm just getting fat. Just, I'm puffing my head up with Bible knowledge. I'm not accountable to anybody. Come on. I don't want anybody to ask me how my life is. Um, church membership moves you from the nomadic, just kind of wandering, to being accountable. Now, let me give you some clarifying questions. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Here's a clarifying question. Who are we accountable to? 
church family. You're accountable to your pastors and your family members. You're accountable to both. You're accountable to the leaders that God has put in your life to help you in, in the context of shepherding and guidance and teaching and wisdom. You're accountable to your other family members who need you. That's why it's important that you show up. Sometimes you shouldn't just show up for you. You should show up for somebody else. I'm going to contribute today because I'm part of the family. We're accountable. Let me show you the verse. Hebrews chapter 13. Come on. Why should men make coffee? Because the Bible says Hebrews. All right. I got to do it every time. I can't help it. I can't help it. Ladies are good, better coffee makers anyway. All right. I don't know. Sorry. No, 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 no gender stuff, whatever. All right. Verse 17. It was a joke, Hebrews. All right. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you, says the author of the book of Hebrews. Now, let me ask you a question. The reason why I'm so much today, not always, but hey, you know what? I'm growing along the journey with you, and I've come to the conclusion. Today, I have a conviction that church membership in the context of family is a biblically implied concept that we should embrace because... When this text says, obey your leaders and submit to them, you should ask, or here's what I would say. To the person that says, church membership doesn't exist, we're all the universal church. Well, then I would say, well, what leaders are you supposed to submit to then? Supposed to submit to everyone? Who's your pastor? Oh, I got pastors all over the place. They don't know me. (laughs) What? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Hey, let me just encourage you to this. When you're part of the Walk Church family... You have walk church leaders and pastors. You don't have to submit to every pastor in Las Vegas. You don't need to submit yourself and obey every leader in Las Vegas. And can I just tell you, I'm so glad that I don't have to keep an account for every believer in Las Vegas. Those who will have to give an account, keeping watch over yourselves. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to watch over every soul in our city. Thank you that you do that. And thank you that you've placed me in a family, that that's where I can oversee and utilize my gifts and try to help make a difference in the time you've given me. Let me give you the second clarifying question. In the context of what I'm talking about, who are we, pastors and ministry leaders, accountable for? We're we're accountable for our family, not another church's family. Now, Universal Church, we'll cheer y'all on. Keep going. Keep growing. Keep making disciples and making a difference. Now, I don't know all that's going on in your church. There's, types, there's different denominations. There's different beliefs on certain things. There's different systems in place. There's different styles of ministry. But come on, I'm, I'm called to this ministry. I'm called to this church. And I really think if you're going to move from the nomad Christian lifestyle to the family Christian lifestyle, you got to know who your family is. you got to know who you're accountable for. Like somebody from another church, sometimes it's okay to be like, man, you, you should probably ask your, are you part of that church? You should, you should get, you become a member there I don't, or, or become a member here, but then you'll know who your leaders are. Then you'll know who your family members are. 
And that's why I really do believe church membership is a beautiful thing for the context of making disciples in the context of family. Not in the context of having a great event, but in the family that Jesus desires to create. So that's who we as pastors and ministry leaders are accountable for. Not everybody in the universal church, praise the Lord. But the people in this house that, who, that have decided in agreement with us, yeah, we, we want to be a part of this family so we can one another together. Like that's what Hebrews chapter 10 talks about in uh, verse 24. Hebrews 10 tells us that we should stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Like, like we should consider how to do it. We should consider, how can I stir one another up to love and good works? Can I just tell you, this is a verse for a local church. Like, who, am I, who, who do I need to stir up? Do I need to stir up a bunch of people at a different church? I ain't thinking about that, to be honest. I'm thinking about stirring up the people in my charge group. I'm thinking about stirring up the people in this body. I'm stirring up the people at the 9 a.m. I'm stirring up the people in the 11 a.m. Not neglecting to meet together. Now what, are you supposed to meet at every church? Or are you supposed to meet at your church? Are you supposed to go to everybody's small group? How do you live out this verse, universal church? You get in a local church. And then start encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D day, drawing near. The day where either you go to meet Jesus or he comes to meet you. And um, we encourage each other in, in that. Let me give you one more example and we'll get ready to close here because... I'm hopeful that this is making sense and connecting. There's, there's another example that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 18. Now, this is some difficult verses. These are not popular scriptures, but I think they're helpful. They're instruction from the Lord. In Matthew 18, Jesus gives us the, the playbook on how to go about reconciliation. Here's what he says. Look at these verses with me out of Matthew 18, verse 15. Note takers, write this down. He says, if your brother sins against you. Now look at the language. What's that called? That's family language. I don't think Jesus is implying siblings only because not everybody has brothers and sisters. Amen. But if you get into a church family, you're going to have brothers and sisters. So he's saying if your brother or sister in your church family, I believe that's what he's implying, sins against you, which can I tell you, if you're hanging around Walk Church long enough, somebody's going to sin against you. It, it happens. We are very real, flawed individuals trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as it says in Philippians 2, growing together. Amen? In fact, there have been brothers and sisters in this church, leaders and other individuals who have pulled me aside along our seven years and said, hey, Hayden, you offended me or you sinned against me. Can I tell you, I love when that happens. Because sometimes I'm like, dang, I didn't even know. You helped me get better. You exposed the blind spot in me. Come on, don't let me just have mustard on my face. Tell me where it's at. Give me a Kleenex, by the way. If your brother sins against you, look, go tell him. Between you and him, say it with me, alone. That's the starting place. Hey, friend, you may be uncomfortable about conflict. I get it. But don't be so uncomfortable that you're disobedient to what Jesus tells you to do. This is uncomfortable. I get it. But listen, the, the goal and the result is good. 
Watch, between you and him alone. In other words, don't go to a prayer meeting and say, hey, so-and-so wronged me. That's just actually gossip, all right? (laughs) Between you and him alone, go to the person, you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Family language. Jesus says, this is a way that the body grows and gains and gets stronger. I love the verse in Proverbs that says, iron sharpens iron. As one man or one woman sharpens each other. I've never necessarily seen iron sharpening iron like personally, but I could just imagine the sparks would fly. It would be a little messy. It would make a few noises. It was, there might be some sounds that are unpleasant, but the result is we got sharper. We got better. We didn't cancel each other. We actually gained each other in the context of family. Now, now, now you might be saying, well, hold on, Hayden, but what if that person doesn't listen? Great. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And in that case, let me give you the instruction. Don't go grab family members from another church. You have a family. (laughs) Grab two or three other family members. Grab two or three other leaders in the family and say, we're having a family talk now. (laughs) We need to sit down and work this out. Now watch this. Next slide. If he refuses to listen to them... Tell it to the church. Now, mind you, what if this was the universal church? We got to tell this problem to everybody? That We got to tell this to the believers in Japan? Again, this implies a local church family. Jesus thought in the context of there's going to be local churches in communities that are built upon the rock of Jesus and are adopted into his family, brothers and sisters, together, and they're going to have issues of conflict and reconciliation, and, and they should, if it gets down to it, even tell it to the church in hopes that in communicating this to the church, there would be repentance and somebody would come back to reconciliation. That's how Jesus tells us to handle conflict within the body. What he doesn't do is he doesn't say, just pick up your ball and go to a different church, you nomad. He doesn't do that. Find me that verse where Jesus says, go to a church, experience conflict, and then go to a different one. It doesn't exist. He says, no, if, if there's conflict, that because ha- what happens, right? We just bring that same conflict into another church. And we, just, we bring our problems into another family instead of actually doing what Jesus told us to do. Now, is it, is it risky? Oh, it's risky, but this is how we grow. This is how we gain one another. Now, it says, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, now even if the whole family membership says, bruh, sister, stop sinning, and they say, you know what, we're not gonna do that, then the only thing you can do is then remove them from the family. Because what they're saying is, with their actions and with their statement is, I'm, I don't believe in what this family believes. And therefore, what can you do except say, well, you're no longer a part of this family. To us, you'll be a Gentile or a tax collector. You can come, you can show up, but we're just going to treat you like a guest. And how do we treat guests? We love them. 
Doesn't mean that we kick you out and then we just say, ah, you, err. That's weird. No, we love, we love Gentiles. We love tax collectors back into the kingdom, back into the faith. In fact, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 was dealing with all types of sexual immorality within the church. So you got these people who are in the Corinthian church uh, living together. You have other uh, b- believers in the church. Um, one cat was sleeping with his wife's mom, all types of sexual sin. I'm just telling you, the Bible is very um, full of drama, all right? You thought, you, were, you thought we had issues at Walk Church. Read the Corinthian church, all right? And, and they're saying, Paul, I know you got thrown in jail, but what do we do now that we have all this problem? And Paul says, hey, Jesus gave us the way to handle this. Go confront a person lovingly, not harshly, on their sin. If they don't listen to you, bring a few other people with you. If they don't listen to them, tell it to the church in hopes that they might repent of their sin and say, you know what? Instead of doing that, I'd rather follow the Lord's instruction, which is for my good. And then Paul says, if they don't listen to the church, he says, give them over to Satan. Why does he say that? He says that because a person might realize, man, the church was better than Satan. (laughs) I'd rather be in the family of God where people love me enough to be real with me rather than be with the father of lies who's just going to gas me up with a bunch of stuff to get me to do the things that I don't even want to do, which leads me to an eternity away from God. Paul says, let a person hang out with Satan for a few minutes. Let them realize, you know what, the church was better. Church was better. This is how we, we, work it, we work it out in the context of family. So church family, church membership, I'll put these up on the screen just so for a reminder. It moves you from consumer to contributor. Family membership moves you from just an independent body part floating around in the city of Las Vegas to now a collective body part put together with a purpose. The, the church membership process moves you from just a nomad where you're just wandering around the church. Ah, I'm just here. I don't know how long I'll be here. Maybe I'll show up next Easter. Now, I'm accountable. I got to show up because I'm accountable to the leaders, and the leaders are accountable to me, and there's other family members that are waiting for me to get there, and I got to make a difference. I got to hold a sign. I got to greet somebody. I got to hold a baby. I got to teach something. I got to use my voice. I got to play something. I got to grow. I got to give. I want to get in this thing. I'm accountable. Put me in the game, coach. I don't want to sit on the bench. That's the mentality of church family. Last and final point, worship team, help me, um, help me close, is I believe that family membership, um, it moves us from ourselves to our Savior. And we always need that reminder, amen? We always need that reminder to move away from yourself. Come on, put yourself on the shelf and put Christ on the throne and just say, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about me and my ambitions and my desires. In fact, God, you're big enough to take care of me. Um, It's about you. And when we get in this place of worship, we worship together. On the first Sunday of every month, we do something that the Lord gave to his family. It's called communion. It's where we grab one of these little packets that consist of some juice and some bread, and we do what family does. Follow me, camera. I'm just going to grab one real quick. You got a station right here. You got a station right over there. 
You got two stations in the back if that's easier for you. I just want to tell you today, as, as a church family, we partake in this. And can I tell you that if you don't understand the why behind the what, it doesn't make sense. In fact, these little wafers are not that good. I would encourage you to go get some real lunch if you don't know why you do this. Don't eat it just to eat it. Eat it because of what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, when you approach the communion packet, it's like putting on goggles. And it's when you put those goggles on, you see the cross. When you put those spectacles on, when you put those glasses on, you open and through that lens, you see Jesus on the cross. That's this packet. What this represents, the juice represents the blood that saved us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The, the bread, the cracker, the wafer represents the body of Jesus broken for us on the tree, crushed for our iniquities. So when you approach this wafer, see Jesus dying for you. When you drink this, see the blood of Jesus cleansing you of all sins. And then before you do that, say, okay, is there anybody I just need to make things right with? Is there any sin I need to come up to this altar and leave at this altar and walk away free? Is there anything that I need to confess to a brother or sister? Not because I need to be forgiven of it, but because I just want to let it go. I want to let it out. I need to be prayed for. I need to be healed. In the nine o'clock service, there were people all around this altar. I can't tell you all of what their prayers were but they were letting stuff go. And then they approached this with confidence, ready to remember the gospel. If you're not a believer in Jesus today, you don't need this, you need him. You need to be a part of his family. And the invitation is not to a table, the invitation is to the savior who died and rose and would call you to believe. And I wanna invite you to do that now. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit of Yeshua that you would draw men and women near to you right now in the context of this prayer. Right now, if you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to lift your hand. If you came in here today and you were broken and you're sinful and you need a Savior, would you just lift your hand? Jesus sees your hand. Jesus sees every individual that needs to take a step. Just lock arms with him right now. Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready. Change me. Save me. Set me free. Adopt me into your family. Regenerate me in your spirit. I love you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that you're the Savior. I believe with my mouth and my heart that Jesus is the Lord. I turn away from my sins and I turn to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, thank him. Let's thank him. Let's thank him for how he's moved among us.